Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Breaking news. Unprecedented job loss. 10 million people filed jobless claims in just two weeks. Why the real number of unemployed could be much higher. People have lost their jobs, and it's very disheartening. Mask policy. New guidance on whether or not you should be covering your face in public. One million cases. As the number of global infections grows, here at home, the New York governor says they are six days from running out of ventilators. And nurses across the country demand protective equipment now. I'm worried about dying a lot more than I'm worried about repercussions. Relieved of command. Breaking news tonight from that aircraft carrier with sailors infected with the virus. Why the captain who sounded the alarm was punished. Nightmare voyage. Some passengers are finally coming ashore in Florida after being stuck for weeks on cruise ships where hundreds are infected. But could bringing them on shore put others at risk? Happy birthday. Meet the man who survived the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic, World War II, and now COVID-19. And he's just turned 104 years young. And an inspiring story of a seven-year-old spreading joy by supplying local hospitals with protective gear. And yes, he's seven. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We begin with breaking news on two fronts in the fight against coronavirus, ways to slow the spread and the economic fallout. Tonight, the mayor of America's largest city, New York, is advising that everyone who goes out in public there cover their nose and mouth with a bandana, scarf or mask. L.A.'s mayor made a similar announcement overnight. And the White House is considering making that recommendation in hotspots across the country. It is a dramatic shift in guidance designed to stop the spread of the virus. And it comes as confirmed cases now top one million worldwide. Nearly a quarter of all of those infections are right here in the U.S. More than 5,000 have died across the country. And there's another stunning number tonight. More than 6.6 million Americans filed for unemployment benefits last week. That's double the number of claims from the week before. And it is historic. Take a look at this chart that puts it in perspective. Earlier this year, weekly claims numbered in the thousands. Tonight, 
they reach into the millions. In the outbreak's epicenter, New York and New Jersey, some hospitals are now diverting patients as those ICUs fill up. Our team is covering all of the headlines, and we'll get to that new guidance on the masks in just a moment. But Mark Strassman leads us off tonight in Atlanta. And Mark, we just heard from the Treasury Tech Secretary. He said those first rounds of those $1,200 relief checks could now come in two weeks. In two weeks, uh, Nora, but in, in the meantime, of course, unemployment is in free fall and no one knows uh, where the bottom is. Businesses keep closing. More people lose their jobs by the hour. Unemployment has super spread into America's second epidemic. So I'm like zero right now, so it's, it's, it's really stressful. Without a vaccine in sight, nearly 900,000 more Californians filed claims last week. Juan Luna lost jobs as a cashier and cook for Los Angeles's two Major League Baseball teams. His girlfriend is also pregnant. I mean, I was already stressing because it's, I'm not, I don't know how it, how it is to, you know, provide for a, a baby. Job losses in the last two weeks compare to two years during the Great Recession of 2008-2009. New York had a 358% spike in claims. Roughly 366,000 people, Florida, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey, each had six-figure job losses. We don't have a playbook for this. When I talk to economists every single day, they are scratching their heads as well. And that is the challenge here. We've not been in this place before. Today's official numbers could be higher. Just throw your hands up. Many jobless people can't get through overwhelmed state systems. It's like crash, 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 refresh, 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 refresh. Calls to New York's unemployment hotline skyrocketed 16,000%. Paula Robinson is a supervisor at Georgia's Department of Labor. It retrained dozens of employees to help process the state's record claims, up 1,100% over last week. People have lost their jobs, and it's very disheartening. Tell that to lines at food banks in Mesa, Arizona, and St. Louis. People hungry for hope. Pretty sad, lonely, and really scared. Scary for state unemployment workers, too. Next week's numbers could be worse. We're expecting it to be worse next week. Mm -hmm. And Mark Strassman joins us again. Mark, I have to ask you, does that jobless number include gig workers, gig workers and people who are self-employed? Does not, Nora. And most of those people, of course, have a need for speed. They need money today. Problem is, the states, most states are not processing their applications for unemployment until they get more guidance from Washington. So if there is any good news in all that, it's what you mentioned at the beginning, that those direct deposit, direct payments from Washington, Washington up to $1,200, those should start arriving in about two weeks. All right, Mark, thank you so much. And now to the medical emergency unfolding across America and especially in New York. Tonight, as we are learning more about the pathology of the virus, there are new recommendations about how to protect ourselves from infection. Mola Lenghi is in the U.S. epicenter of New York City, and Mola, the mayor there, has new guidance on who should be wearing masks in public. What did he say? Well, yeah, Nora, Mayor DeBille de Blasio here in New York is advising all New Yorkers, the general public, that they should wear face masks or some sort of facial covering anytime they go outside. Not mandatory at this point, but it is encouraged. This as we approach the peak of this virus. But in what might be the grimmest sign of things to come, the Pentagon now supplying the FEMA response effort with 100,000 body bags. 
These massive makeshift morgues on New York City's east side are a sober sign of the coming weeks as the city's COVID-19 death toll rapidly climbs toward 2,000. At Elmhurst Hospital, the epicenter of the crisis, ambulances flood in. But there are only a few beds left for new patients. This is one of the hardest hit neighborhoods, and the hospital here serves some of the poorest patients. Dr. Eric Way oversees the city public hospital system. Uh, we are asking um, our, our fellow colleagues in business and manufacturing to, to please right, make more ventilators, please make more PPE that we so desperately need to be able to save as many lives as possible. It's so dire, EMTs have been told to stop transporting some patients in cardiac arrest that can't be revived in the field. Today, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said the state's available ventilator supply could run out within six days. We need what we need. If a person comes in and needs a ventilator and you don't have a ventilator, the person dies. That's the blunt uh, equation here. Today, nurses across the country risk their own jobs to demand more protective gear. I'm worried about dying a lot more than I'm worried about repercussions. More supplies are coming. The U.S. purchased 60 tons of medical supplies from Russia, and the state of Massachusetts is using the New England Patriots plane to bring in a million masks from China. Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti is also now going beyond federal guidelines, suggesting more people wear masks. Back here in Queens, City Councilman Daniel Drum lost five friends to the virus. Whenever somebody goes into the hospital, my thinking is, Will I ever see them again? Will they ever come out? And in these five cases, we all knew that they had gone in, and in fact, they never came out. I'm told Elmhurst Hospital here is now only accepting coronavirus patients, nothing else. Meanwhile, across town at the 1,000-bed Javits Convention Center Field Hospital, after initially saying no coronavirus patients, they've now reversed course and will begin treating them. Nora? That's quite a development, Mola. Thank you. Now to a developing story in South Florida, where two cruise ships carrying passengers with coronavirus have been allowed to dock. For some on board, it's the end of a nightmarish odyssey. For others, the journey is far from over. Manny Bohorquez reports from Miami. After nearly a month at sea, the Zandam's grueling voyage ended in Port Everglades. Passenger Val Minty couldn't wait for it to be over. We are on pins and needles, and we're so excited about it. The Rotterdam, which took passengers with no symptoms from the Zandam, arrived too, a combined 2,300 people. At one point, the Zandam had 200 reported ill, nine positive COVID-19 cases, and four deaths. The desperation grew as Chile, Argentina, and Peru refused to let the ship dock. The Zandam was initially denied access to the Panama Canal as it adjusted its route to Fort Lauderdale. Arrival there was delayed, too, over the concerns of some local officials. The cruise line said fewer than 10 people would be taken to this hospital. Holland America's agreement with local authorities includes getting passengers who appear healthy on buses and planes and sent home quickly. CBS News contributor Dr. David Agus. It is the wrong move to send them home, even if they're asymptomatic or testing negative now. They need to be in quarantine because of their exposure on the ship until the 14-day period is up. They could be silent carriers of the virus. Val Minty says she'll wait if she has to. If that would be to stay on board and quarantine in our windowless room, we would do that. You just want to be on dry land. We want to see birds. We want to have fresh air. We want to see sunshine. 
Holland America says many passengers on those ships had already been self-isolating in their staterooms since March 22nd. And anyone who is sick and not critically ill will remain on board and receive medical treatment there until they recover. Nora. All right, Manny, thank you. Tonight, much-needed funding is on the way to fight a rapidly growing problem in this crisis, and that's food insecurity. Oprah Winfrey pledged $10 million to the battle against hunger, and Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos donated $100 million to a network of food banks. But these generous donations are just a fraction of what they say is needed. Here's Meg Oliver. The National Guard is here with us. Today, welcome relief as the National Guard arrived to keep the Greater Pittsburgh Food Bank operating. They were activated after more than 800 families lined up for this emergency distribution Monday. Any chance you could run out of food? So our food supply right now is strong, but I just learned this morning that four or five of our food orders have been canceled. As demand intensifies, donations and volunteers are dropping rapidly. Right, so we got these salads. Pedro Rodriguez and his family have enough food to last one week. Would you be able to have dinner tonight if you didn't go to the food pantry? Not much, no. Maybe lunch. With the entire family laid off, they're relying on this food pantry at Willing Heart Community Center in Newark. But on Tuesday, the food ran out. You'll run out of that today. Uh, we'll run out of that today. We've already run out of eggs. Last week, Feeding America saw a 92% jump in demand for food. CEO Claire Fontenot. We can't meet the challenge of this moment without additional help. Which means smaller pantries like this one have no idea if they can stay open. How worried are you about the future right now? A lot. I'm trying to be calm, but it's very, very hard. A dire situation families can only take day by day. Meg Oliver, CBS News, Newark, New Jersey. We've also got some breaking news tonight about the captain of the USS Theodore Roosevelt. He has been relieved of command just two days after he wrote an urgent letter warning that the virus was spreading through the aircraft carrier. The acting Navy secretary says Captain Brett Crozier was removed for lack of confidence and that the stress of dealing with the outbreak had, quote, overwhelmed his professional judgment. The Navy was also displeased that his letter had been leaked. The carrier is in Guam tonight. 2,700 will evacuate the ship. Also, we've got some more military news for you tonight, and that's on this particular story. Scientists at the U.S. Uh, Army's top virus research lab are working on vaccines and treatments, and our David Martin paid a visit to Fort Detrick in Maryland and saw firsthand the complexities of testing for that virus. While the rest of the country is trying to wipe out the coronavirus, this Army lab is actually growing it. We're trying to grow it so we can wipe it out. Dr. Kathleen Gibson says you have to have samples of the actual virus to detect its presence in all those nasal swabs being collected. When you see what it takes to analyze them, you understand why testing has been so slow. From swab to tube to tube to plate to machine. It's very labor intensive just getting from the swab to a purified sample that we can test in this plate takes about an hour to an hour and a half. This analyzer can handle 27 at a time, but that process takes another hour and a half. Here's what the results look like. 
So this green line is the threshold. That means that the virus is detectable in a high enough concentration that we can confidently call it positive. But with the nation's governors pleading for more testing, none of these analyzers, one, two, three, four, or these smaller portable ones are currently in use. Fort Dietrich has not been asked to test civilians. David Martin, CBS News, Fort Dietrich, Maryland. Even as the public is shut out of local parks across the country, many national parks remain open with crowded trails and little social distancing. Well, now some former park employees and outside groups are demanding a shutdown of the entire national park system. Chip Reed reports. National parks have been hailed as America's best idea, but in an era of social distancing, visiting one now could be a bad decision. I wound up walking out of my job. Dustin Stone worked at Klondike Gold Rush Park in Alaska. I had been in contact with some peers at parks in the lower 48 that were telling me horror stories about their parks being overloaded with visitors. Your decision to quit your job with the Park Service is basically a protest. Yes, it is. Trails at Zion recently looked like this. After people flocked to the Grand Canyon, the park was closed yesterday. Crowds are expected this weekend at hundreds of open national park sites across the country. I think it's some pretty weird mixed messaging coming out of the White House to say, stay home unless you're going to a national park, in which case, go for it. Our park service waived all entrance fees. Last week, uh, Vice we... President Mike Pence promised a plan to keep parks safe. The CDC is developing guidance, which we'll be publishing tomorrow, uh, about uh, the best way to utilize our natural resources at our parks. No guidance be has been published. Ago. It's insanity to have the parks open right now. Joan Anzelmo was a spokesperson for the National Park Service. I think all the national parks should be closed to the public to try and stop the spread of the coronavirus. Chipri, CBS News, Washington. New Orleans has lost a bit of its swing tonight. The coronavirus has taken jazz legend Ellis Marsalis. Marsalis was a jazz piano master, educator, and torchbearer, and of course, the father of jazz greats Winton and Branford Marsalis. Winton said, my daddy was a humble man with a lyrical sound that captured the spirit of the Big Easy. Ellis Marsalis was 85. World War II veteran Bill Lapshies is celebrating an extra special birthday. He's turning 104 and just recovered from the coronavirus. His family joined staff at his Oregon veterans home to celebrate with social distancing, of course. He survived the Spanish flu, the war, and now this pandemic. Asked how he feels, Bill said, pretty good, I made it. Well, happy birthday. Tonight we have a reminder that even a small idea can make a big difference. Here's Chris Van Cleve. Zohe Beg comes from a long line of doctors and nurses now working to save coronavirus patients. Well, I want to help the hospital somehow, so I want to sew masks, but I didn't know how to sew. But when his aunt's hospital was running low on headgear, this seven-year-old got an idea. He went to hotels by his Virginia home to ask for their shower caps. He left with a lot of caps, gloves, and face masks. How much stuff did you get? 6,009 PPEs. That drew praise from former President Barack Obama and gratitude from his local hospital. It brought them uh, such a sense of joy that um, 
they uh, made a difference and that he felt like he could contribute in some way. Big gesture from a little boy. Huge gesture from a very strong little boy. A boy that very hospital once helped. When he was four, Beg had a tumor in his abdomen. Three years ago, they saved my life. Now I want to help doctors. And show us all how far a little help can go. Chris Van Cleve, CBS News, Washington. It's like that saying, act as if what you do makes a difference. It does. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, Steve Hartman looks at dating during an outbreak. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. And that is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most-watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.